Hello and welcome to the Pinch of Magic, even where am I today, the Pinch of Magic podcast even with me, Rebecca Anuwin, and I am delighted. I mentioned the other day that we are starting a whole podcast series of interviews with people that are living with intention and we are starting today with Louisa Darling. Now, I wanted to talk to Louisa because she has been creating festivals and communities around magical people and witchcraft for some time. And when I looked at her um, website called Barefoot Festival, a line, getting back to basics and feeling the grass between your toes. I was like, I want to talk to this lady because just that phrase, I'm like, yes, I feel myself out there. So welcome, Louisa. It's great to have you. Hello. Thank you for having me. So Share us your story. Where did you first become involved in all things like back to nature and witch? Because I should also add that not only do you run the Barefoot Festival, you also have coming up later this year in the UK, your witch festival in Leicester. So yeah. where did this journey start before you started like bringing like, the community along with you? I think it started in a belly dancing class <laughs> many oh, years good. ago. And it was the first time I heard the word kundalini um, mm. and I was possessed with belly dancing in the first sort of lesson. It it like enchanted me. And so I went on that journey. I ended up teaching belly dancing mm. um, and the classes got bigger and bigger. And at some point I was, you know, working nearly every night. Um, I was dancing in um, restaurants and for, you know, corporate events and things like that. So it kind of took over my life. And we started having kind of gatherings at the end of every term of classes. Um, so we had these little mini um, dance parties that started out, you know, in a, in the local Turkish restaurant. And, you know, we'd all have a little bit of a dance around the restaurant and, um, and then because the class size got bigger, the parties got bigger. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that's where it kind of stemmed from the organising of community events. And so we had these parties at the end of the classes and family could come. So the children could mm. come see what mom has been doing um, and pa- partners. And it just was lovely. It was just a really nice experience. And it kind of extended from there. <clears throat> I'd been to... Um, uh, the Belly Dance Superstars, which is an American um, kind of troupe, dance troupe. And they came over to England. And I mean, they're amazing dancers, but most of them are absolutely beautiful, very young, very slim. Um, yeah. Wasn't quite the same scene as what I was wanting to be part of. And it was very glamorous, very, um, I don't know, I guess it was. it seemed very materialistic for me. I mean, I'm not taking away from the dancers. It was the actual um corporate organization yeah yeah so it was in um I think it was in a big massive fancy hotel in um Manchester and I remember going back into the hotel room and there was some information on the tv about the Gaza Strip and some bombings going off there and people had been killed and those two you know it's like you have this whole sort of like there's a stealing of a culture, it's being repackaged, it's being sold, and all the while this is going in the Middle East, and it all just felt really wrong to me. Mm. Um, and I wanted to kind of then bring it back down to us dancing in our lineage and with our cellular memory of our grandmothers who would have all danced, you know, around a campfire, under the stars, you know, with our feet connected to earth by mm. drumming. And, and that was it. That was the vision. I just wanted to pull that into, into reality. And I remember the first barefoot, we actually called it goddess camp at the beginning. Um, and it, I remember just sitting back on the Saturday night and watching these women dancing around the fire and people drumming. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. I'm really happy. <laughs> And we wasn't we were it wasn't meant to happen again. It was meant to be a one off um, because my husband had died, and I kind of felt driven to do it even more because he'd been a drummer, mm. and we'd, we'd had this kind of idea to do something like this. Um, so I kind of wanted to do it, you know, partly in his his honour as well. Um, but everyone just loved it so much, and everyone was like, "Oh, you've got to do this again. It's really amazing." Um, so that's kind of where it was birthed. 
So how did dance help you? Like, I always think about like dancing helps us to find our own expression and our own rhythm. And I love that because I love working with nature and they have their own seasons and our own rhythms. And I think part of our, uh, our like kind of reason on earth is to find that, that connection with our own rhythms and the rhythms in the world around us. Like right now we're recording this, we're coming up to like the spring equinox. And I love just observing that turn of the wheel. And so you've taken the dance, you've stepped away from the corporate energy and you've got people barefoot outside with this, well, maybe not so much with the seasons, but, you know, connecting to the earth around the campfire, tapping into that, like that, that ancient lineage that's in us at a cellular level. How did that transform you? How did that change the people that, you know, did it, did you find it? connected you more deeply to something what was the ripple effect for the people that attended that first one and were like oh we have to do this again you know because it awakened that thing within them also well I think it's been a massive journey um because in the end barefoot has kind of taken over my life um (laughs) really (laughs) and that's why this year I'm having a bit of a break um but I'm still doing a mini barefoot mm. um so we, and I'm actually I love it you can't um, not do it it's like I know, not this scale, I'll just do a little one instead yeah <laughs> but I was kind of trying to because again barefoot was kind of running away from me um and I wanted to bring it back mm. to what that essence was at the beginning um so it had kind of become its own thing um and then I was getting to a point where you know I was a bit burnt out really yeah um and there's been a there's been a revolution, I think, for a good thing, in that more of those types of events are happening. Because um, back when I first started uh, Barefoot, it was when really did you start like, it. So it would have been like 2006, 2007. Mm. Um, so it's been a while. Um, and when I first started it, there, there wasn't really anything like that. Um, certainly not in the Midlands area, anyway. Yeah. Um, maybe down in the west country and down south and around London but um, I mean, in this area there was nothing um, so it was really you know we had flamenco, capoeira, belly dancing, you know morris dancing, hula hooping all of these things at the, se- at the t- same time really eclectic pulling on different things um, and just you know getting people out of their comfort zones to try new things um, and yeah, creating this kind of community. And I think there's been an ex- expansion because I think people go to festivals, um, certainly festivals like mine, and the mundane everyday and, uh, you know, all the normies or the muggles or whatever <laughs> I'd like to say, you kind of sometimes feel like you don't really fit in. And then you go yeah. to a festival like Barefoot and you're like, oh my God, where have all you people been hiding? There's more of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can have conversations with people around the campfire and, you know, it can have like massive impacts on your own journey and healing and, you know, make amazing connections. I can see over the years that, you know, people have you know I I don't it's it's not me it kind of like I said it's got its own energy but yeah it's had an impact on a lot of people brought people out of their shells Mm. you know made them realize that you know they can do anything you know people will come to barefoot and maybe they'll have a go at doing aerial hoop and then pursue that and you know end up coming back and performing for us in our show you know a couple of years later so um I think there's been an explosion of that kind of thing and that's for the good. But again, it's taken on a corporate kind of, you know, there's a lot of the festivals are all owned by the same sort of company. Yeah. Um, and although they are all quite unique and different, sometimes, you know, when you go to a lot of festivals, they all end up feeling like the same thing, but just in a different field. Yeah, I was going to say that to you, actually. It's like, why having it in a field? Why is that part important to you? Obviously, like the grass between your toes, but you you know, you've gone from a fancy hotel in Manchester to barefoot in the grass. Why was that? Why was like that? Was it a connection to nature? Was it just like a connection with the ancestry? Or was it a practical, a practical thing? Because you could dance around a bonfire. It's like, why was the outside important to you? Um, I think just that we don't spend enough time outside. And I think the minute that you go outside, 
you know, there's um, massive healing effects. You suddenly have this connection to nature and the earth um, and you start have developing a relationship. So it was an absolute no brainer that I had to mm-hmm. be outside. Um, and we have had all sorts of weather you know we've had it like last we year. are in the uk after all i know like last year we that crazy weekend that was so hot oh but gosh yeah watching how people cope with that um you know and how resilient people are and they make the best of it like we ended up last year making a kind of communal tp shower because <laughs> 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 everyone was so you know hot and so then like loads of people were just coming up and having a, a shower of either fully clothed some people like just deciding to bear all and it was just like a really lovely thing to happen and you know we're so busy kept up in our houses and you know then going to the office and you know it, 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 in our cars to get to the yeah, office yeah yeah so it was a no-brainer has nature always been an important part of your life um I think yes it has um but it really came home how important, obviously, like a lot of people, you know, during lockdown, mm. um, like it, it basically got me. I mean, I was at home with I've got five children. So we were all at home lockdown together. My son, he was supposed to go to university, but that kind of got cancelled and he had to stay at home. So luckily, we just moved house and we, we'd got a bigger garden. But, you know, those walks around the surrounding area where I live um it was more like a yeah it was it was survival so I think Mm. during that time um it really was much um, a realization of how it's really important yeah I think (laughs) most definitely when we have stuff taken away from us it's like oh that is actually what's important so that's barefoot but you also run a witch festival yes so how did the witch festival come about and how long have you I did we had this conversation just just before we started recording wasn't it and it's like oh are you is that which the title you claim and you're like yeah I'm starting to so where did that magical path start for you or was it just a case again of going oh this has just grown there's a need for this I'll put it on (laughs) because you are like the hostess aren't you (laughs) hostess with the hostess here yeah I I like to think so (laughs) um no I was really into, I got into it when I was quite younger, maybe early 20s. And my husband and I, were, we'd go to a, mute, a moot where we um, where we lived in, and that was in Derby at the time. Um, and I think what I learned from that is that it can be really clicky. And mm. you, know, you you have to kind of, and I get that, I get why it can be like that. Um but it was hard to sort of like break in and, you know, I hadn't read the correct books and I hadn't been, you know, and I felt a little bit like it was um, a little bit like an exclusive club. Um, So like a lot of um, witches, I think you end up doing it all on your own. Um, And I think that I wanted to kind of change that. I wanted to drop the kind of stuffy, um, you know, idea of what it is to be a witch and and make it more accessible, but also try not to go down the, you know, witches of Instagram and, you know, just to open it up to everybody um, and make it more accessible and, and to have that community so that people didn't feel put off. And I think we did the witch festival in October last year and we did that at the Guildhall in Leicester. And one of the things that I think maybe I had apprehension about was that it would be a little bit clicky, that there'd be some people who, you know, were like, well, I'm a real witch. And, you know, (laughs) but, you know, what it was, everyone was just so amazing. You know, at the end of the day, we were all hugging each other. And and again, it was that kind of like recognizing that, you know, seeing someone who's in the same into the same things as you and, you know, and having that community. And I think the community aspects of everything for me, you know, even again, because I teach Kundalini yoga in Leicester and the power of that practice, there is something about your self, your own practice and your quiet practice 
um, and being alone. But there's also this power and magic of everyone coming together and that energy that you all bring, you know, and then it all comes together and, you know, it, it influences everything. There's just something about that that, is, you know, you can't get on your own. Yeah. So that was that was the the idea behind it. That leaves me with a couple of questions. Um, <laughs> first of all, what is your what is your kind of belief, understanding, experience of being a witch? So, what, what is um, magic? Maybe I don't know whether you want to talk about witch or magic, but what's, what does that mean to you? I think it means that it's this energy and magic that resides in all of us. And this is heavily influenced by the, you know, tradition of Kundalini that I've, um, you know, I've I've practiced and I teach. And so it's this thing that exists within all of us and it's there and it's it's kind of abundant and we can tap into it. And there's certain things that we can do and practice that redirect um, the energy, contain the energy and, you know, make it flow. um, And that's accessible to everybody. Um, and it's not just something that you can go, hey, you know, I'm magic now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Although I'm sure there are people who can. For me, that's not been how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be a pre- practice um, for me. And whether that is yoga, whether that is meditation, belly dancing or any type of dancing, movement, somatic m- movement, you know, one of the biggest things that I've found that brings me um, magic, the experience of magic, is growing um, my own vegetables. I've got an allotment. Mm. So I think sometimes, you know, the things that I learn and I I kind of um, feel in when I'm gardening, that's like the, the closest I can, you know, and dancing, I think, as well is, is mm. a big thing. But, yeah, and I think that's, again, with the events that I do, um, is trying to you know facilitate people realizing that you know it's there for the taking um and with a little bit of manipulation you know yeah I think you know when you share that it's really clear it's like you know people talk about witchcraft and that comes with all sorts of like connotations but if you just think about it as being a craft and you are crafting your own energy and inner in an authority, in a sovereignty, in a magic, it's like, well, when you think of as crafting, like you said, you know, crafting with a practice, whether it's yoga, whether it's gardening, whether it's belly dancing, it doesn't matter. But what you are doing is you're doing something intentionally. You're saying, I'm going to cultivate my relationship with myself and how I express that in the world. And I, I really love that. I really love like how you see that. And it's like, it's an invitation for everyone just to come and craft their own experience of life and doing that through what we have as our body um and I love that you uh do that you teach kundalini yoga because one of the most I've had a few profound moments in my life and a few profound realizations and one of them was through the practice of kundalini yoga and for me you know I'm a quite quite a driven kind of person it's like I've got a lot of energy and I can do a lot of things and so you know I started practicing yoga when I was about 16 and my friends were reading like just 17 and Cosmo and I was reading teach yourself yoga which Mm -hmm. actually that book is not available anymore because some of the techniques in there are probably a little bit dubious um (laughs) you know like you know they're not dubious but I mean you wouldn't want someone at home practicing it without a teacher like you know like swallowing the the cloth to bring it back up oh yeah yeah <laughs> getting your stomach doing all the crazy I didn't actually try that I was just after it for like the poses because I wanted to get strong and bendy you know and feel good and so I'd been doing that for years and I'd done you know ashtanga and all sorts of other things and I loved how I felt like strong doing it and then I went to my first kundalini yoga class and she had us laying there with a timer for about three minutes and I'm like come on what's my next pose? I want to hold something. I want to bend something. I want to stretch something. No, I had to lay still. And I was like, oh God, come on. What's the next thing? And then I felt it. I felt that rush of energy. And I was like, oh, the magic is in the space. When we create the space, that's where the magic happens. So I shift, oh gosh, I can't remember how long ago this was, like 15 years ago or something. And I'd shifted from going, oh, I have to do more and achieve more to feel a sense of satisfaction, to going, 
oh, but when I rest or when I lay still, or if I'm not trying to achieve something and I just take a moment, it's like things come to me. <laughs> it was like revelationary. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it's not, and I think because of our culture, it's very driven for go, 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 achieve, 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 keep going. We like honor the sun and the energy of active. And we're like, hmm, the moon in the darkness is a little bit suspicious, isn't it? So, you know, being there still and quiet. And I'm like, but that's where the magic is. And it really does that, that practice of Kundalini and stopping made me really have a much deeper understanding of the importance of the balance between or the harmony between action and rest, but also that letting things come, come to me. So I think, yeah, if everyone else could experience that through Kundalini yoga, I'd be like, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's sometimes why people, you know, it's kind of a bit of a Marmite thing, isn't it? With Kundalini, because they come to a class and they're expecting yoga Mm. and they have this idea of what yoga is they're expecting like hatha yoga like the poses yeah yeah yeah. and and then yeah it is um you know a a very different practice and Mm. we're doing really different well we're not doing really different things we're still trying to sort of like manipulate the flow of energy within us so we're working on subtle systems within the body Mm. and it's not calculable you know it's it's something that you have to have I guess a leap of faith with you know, you have to trust and the person that you're trusting is yourself. Yeah. We say this in the class at the beginning, you know, we chant a mantra that is, it's, you know, saying I bow down to this divine within. So it's, it's recognizing that the magic is in you mm. and, and trusting that. So, you know, it's, it's, um, and if you can't trust yourself, you know, uh, we can't, you know, well, you can't so many it. people can't, but this they is don't it. trust yeah. themselves. Because we've been taught to give our authority away to other people who, air quotes, know better than us. And in some situations, somebody may know something better than you. You know, like when I had to have surgery, I trusted my surgeon knew how to operate me on me better than I could operate on myself. And yet it was still a choice that I made to have the surgery. You know, it's like I didn't have to give all of my power to that person. In fact, I was having a conversation the other day and it was about the the medical system in the UK. And they were like, you could choose. You don't have to do it because they've told you to do something. And I was like, of course you don't. Did you think the police were going to come and get you? And they were like, oh, I don't know. And it was a real realisation to me that, yes, a lot of people still give our authority away to air quotes, people in lab coats, authority. And it's like, it's learning how to work with them so that we still make the choice with the correct information. And and I think the other reason people don't trust themselves is because we consistently lie to ourselves. You know, I'm going to go to bed early tonight and then we don't. I'm going to drink more water today and then we don't. And it's like people that consistently lie to us, we don't trust. We know that, that's obvious. But when we're the person lying to ourselves, it becomes really difficult to trust ourselves because we are always lying to ourselves. Yeah. Whereas if we can start just being honest with ourselves and going, do you know what? I'm not going to go to bed early tonight. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe not okay on a physical level, but from a trusting yourself level, at least you're not lying to yourself. So yeah, I think that trusting ourselves, that like slowing down, barefoot in the grass, all of that sounds wildly delicious Um, it's like yes more of that and something else I wanted to touch on as well when you mentioned about the witch festival um what date is that in in do you say it's the weekend before May the 1st so that bank holiday weekend so it's the 29th and 30th is it so still available if you're in the UK and get to Leicester tickets still available um I love what you said. It's like I've practiced a therapy called kinesiology for coming up for like 25 years. And I love working in person one-to-one. Like you said, that one-to-one is really brilliant. You can dive deep, you can do all of the things, but I also work in group settings. And like you said about bringing that community together, it reminds me of a cauldron. And, you know, (laughs) it's like, I, I have a thing for lentil soup. I'm just so rock and roll. I love lentil. Look at me yoga lentil soup uh, born in the wrong era obviously but anyway (laughs) I I, um I think about like a cauldron is a vessel it's a saucepan and we make soup in saucepans to nourish people 
And when I make my lentil soup, lentils by themselves are lovely. Celery by itself is lovely. Carrots by themselves are lovely. But when you bring them all together with herbs and spices, you get something really rich and hearty, something much more flavorful than the individual elements. So when you're bringing a community of people together, it's like you're creating a cauldron of someone's a carrot, sorry, whoever's the carrot or the celery and the, the lentils. And it's like they bring their own herbs and spices. And when you mix them all together in that community, if people will allow themselves to be part of the community, you just get something richer and more flavorful, not to take Absolutely. away from the carrot by itself. Sometimes you just want something like fresh and tasty. Yeah. But when you can blend it all together, I think that's why you know, you were talking about that community experience. And I think that's the important part sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, that's, I love that analogy. Oh, yeah. That's a really lovely analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it. And I mean, I talk You're a lot soup, about people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm actually making lentil soup in a minute, and yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> it is lentil soup. So underrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I I love that. I talk a lot as well about the um, the hips and the base of the body. Obviously, in Kundalini, mm. you know, that's where the serpent. I mean, and there's lots of links. I think between you know, witchcrafting and and kundalini yoga. Um, and, you know, we talk about the cauldron, the hips being the cauldron mm-hmm. where the energy is. And when, when you know, we do a lot of like this um, kind of Sufi grind where you're circling the top half yeah. of the body. And I say, you know, it's kind of like we've got this massive big spoon and we're sort of like... Stirring my lentil soup. Yes, yeah, <laughs> this energy, you know, and lifting the energy up, um, you know, throughout, through the body. Yeah. And I think, um, you know... What what you said there was was spot on. I really resonate with that. Well, I also think with that grind, it's like the image I have, and it, again, it's it's not the best image in the world. But when I'm making my lentil soup, if I haven't washed my lentils properly, I'm sure there's a better term for this. But I get all the scum come to yeah. the top, you know, all the bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, sometimes when we stir up some of our own powers or our own energies, it's like sometimes the air quote scum does come to the surface, but we just need to clear it away, and then underneath we've got like that beautiful golden clear soup again. And I think when we step into the world of witchcraft that air quote scum stuff is our own judgments or other people's judgments of like oh she's a witch <laughs> and it's like yeah. yeah isn't that magic because yeah. I don't I don't think we have it so bad in the UK but we seem to be less judgy of people that are like more earth-based I mean I'm, don't get me wrong there are sure there are plenty of people still that are a bit side eye side eye of it but you know I grew up in Cornwall oh gosh there's a witch on every street there you know it's fully embraced with pirates and witches and smith and story and whereas I think I have a lot of clients in America and it's like they can't even have their oracle cards out in front of families and that's before we even start talking about tarot cards and I think we are quite lucky in the UK that we can be quite open with that I mean have you had any resistance from running a witch festival I mean like proper like front and center um, what, what is it like up there in the north <laughs> are you in Cornwall now no no I'm not oh well my daughter she's at university in, in Cornwall um and we're thinking of running a festival down there as well um because oh. she's doing sustainable event management at mm. um, university so they're they're doing their own little events yeah, down yeah. there I'm thinking of doing um something on there as well um but yeah I I think it's more people find it a bit funny and they you know take the mick a little bit and they don't take you seriously mm. um is, is is maybe it and they kind of I've I've noticed that a, a few people are more resistant to it than me um in that we were asked by the BBC um, to have an interview. Now, I know the lady who was doing the interview. I've worked with her a few times. She's really lovely. Her name's Jo Bostock. And, but a couple of the ladies that were in the group were really reluctant to talk to them and worried about being, I guess, tricked or ridiculed or I'm not mm. quite sure where what was going on there. Um, Gosh, BBC's hardly got to journalism. I mean, it might be a bit suspect yeah. at the moment but yeah but I was I, you know I was like oh no no that's not what's happening here Joe's yeah. really interested in in it and you know she's only going to say good things um but yeah I, I picked up on that I was I was mm. a bit like and maybe because I don't delve so much into that community because uh, you know again sometimes it can be a little bit um closed and my 
you know, my passion is to open it all up, you know, open yeah. it all up and, you know, maybe prod some people and provoke them a little bit, you know, um, just to get them thinking differently about these things and to take away, you know, to allow freedom. I mean, we could get, you know, talking on the whole, you know, the for me, it's a reclaiming of that word. I think about only a few generations back, I've been doing a lot of my, you know, ancestral stuff um, mm. and, and finding all about that. And, you know, I, I realised that, you know, all women have been, you know, collectively told to be quiet about these things in history. You know, we've, we've had our mouths closed because for fear of if we talk about these things, you know, not OK today, we might be worried about being ridiculed. Well, you know, certainly just in the UK, there's other places in the world where that's not the case still for women. Um, and you know, it's only a few generations ago. So we're still carrying that cellular memory um, in us. And there's a massive load of healing that needs to go on. So that's another sort of incentive um, for me is trying to, I don't want to use the word reclaim um, because it's a bit of a cliche, but certainly just to heal that and and, and acknowledge that that's what's happened um, and to make women brave again to speak out about these things with without fear of um you know not being listened to for all of those aspects about a woman you know intuition and you know all of the things that come with the you know label of of what people think it is to be a witch you know the whole midwifery thing and the herbalism thing and trusting your instincts and trusting yourself going back to that aspect again is to to try and encourage women to you know explore that again and be brave um for the sake of our grandmothers you know as well to honor them and and start exploring those things and I think that's definitely happening you know Mm -hmm. you know just on the Instagram community there's definitely an uh, people um you know exploring that side of themselves and being brave about it and that for me is another one and that's why it's still funny about the word which I got asked at work the other day um so are you a witch and it's with a with people that you know perhaps have not been around that that community um and I was like yes there was still a little hesitation mm. there for me you know so I, I want to break that down a little bit really I think it's our words are so important I mean obviously in the world of magic and witchcraft we know that because spells cast magic you know it's like and it's so true whether we are using whatever we call ourselves it's important and it's important that it's a meaningful word to us it doesn't matter if you call yourself a witch um I like the title witch because it comes with such (laughs) such power but and when I talk about power, I mean, as in like, oh my God, you're what? You know, oh my God, that's yeah. such a witch. And it's like our language, the way that it's been used to take away power from women. I, I was reading this book and it was just eye-opening about how language has changed and like the words that we use, like even things like sweetie and honey and, you know, uh, cupcake. They're all things that are very quick to eat. They're not like a really delicious meal that you're going to take your time over. They're snacks. And it's like, and it's just so in our language and so in like the the energy of the world that we don't really take time to notice why we use certain words to describe women and where they have come from. Because it's a, it's been a way, like an insidious drip, 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 drip of taking away the the power from women like you say a witch traditionally they may or may not have been called a witch depending on where you lived but they were the healers they were the midwives they were the you know the people that you would go to if you needed help in that way and yet again that's been taken from them and Mm -hmm. it I, I can never get over and I need I need to check the date of this but I think it was like 1975-ish in the UK and I'm like I was born in 78 so in the couple of years before I was born, it's like my mum would not have been allowed to have a bank account without her dad's permission or her or her husband's permission. And I'm like, that's almost in my lifetime. Yeah. It's definitely in my mum's lifetime. And I was like, and if you don't have the money, if you have no financial sovereignty, how do you create a life of your own choosing? 
You yeah. just can't. Think about what it means to have no money. And you're like, oh, I'm going to have to do as I'm told or what's expected of me so that I'm air quote safe, so that I'm provided for. And I'm like, that obviously it's quite a quite a few years ago, but you know, it wasn't that long ago in no. the grand history of things. And that's no. just one thing. I've recently um, come up against this when I was um I was widowed and I was quite young and I kept my husband's name for 10 years. I think I'd just renewed my passport and I decided that, you know, um, I was going to wait. Um, and I'd met um, someone else and I was in a relationship with somebody else. And when the passport ran out, I thought, right, now I think it's time for me to change my name and go back to you know again hate, hate to use that word maiden name but again that's yeah, again it's like we, we are defined by a relationship yeah. to other people so when I went to the bank um I renewed my passport I put it back into my old name mm-hmm. and I went to the bank and I showed them my passport and I was like hey you know I've changed my name back to my maiden name um and they really kicked up a massive fuss they were like oh well you need to show us you know your divorce certificate and then we can change it and I was like but I'm not divorced I'm a widow Mm. and I had a really big load of stuff I had to you know ended up having to write to the banks because basically they were saying that I was going to have to give them a change of name by deed poll and show them a deed poll certificate and I was like no, you know, I've got a passport. I don't need to do that. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to make this deed poll change of name. If I had been divorced, you're happy to just let me revert back to my original name. You know, it should be the same. But again, I think because, you know, women were seen as their husband's property and all this stuff with bank, when these banking laws were made, it was still in that era. Again, you know, not that long ago, yeah. um, really in the in the grand scheme of things. You know, so it was really a big trouble for me to to be able to reclaim myself. Well, without wanting to seem like a bit of a misery guts, even when you think about marriage itself, it's like women were chattel. It was like, here's an engagement ring, which is the modern day equivalent of a dowry. <laughs> you know, And it's just like when we, you know, don't get me wrong. It's like marriage and love is totally to be celebrated. But again, it's just like what we're the history of that and it doesn't have to be doesn't mean that has to be our intention for it today but the history of it all is women as property always and that's why I love like that even like the archetype of a witch it's like because she was the woman on the side of the forest you know outside of the community living life on her own terms and when we look at um like I don't know fairy tales or like especially the Disney ones it's like who are the people who are the evil villains? They're the step the stepmoms and the witches. Why? Because they're beholden to no one. Because yeah. they're not asking permission. They're doing their own thing. Okay, maybe the stepmother's a little bit mean. Um, <laughs> trying to steal the beauty and things like that. But they they are the sinister characters because no man controls them. Yeah, and they're I also think in their own power. There's a deliberate um demonizing of the more mature woman I think you know I'm 46 um and you know uh, although I still have small children ordinarily you know women at this age are getting a little bit more independence you know they're kind of like maybe finding themselves doing things and I guess that my interest in 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 witchcraft is a little bit of that as well you know I get a little bit more time what is it that I'm interested in I'm feeling that I'm you know in middle age what am I wanting to do what am I wanting to connect with what do I identify with so I've gone back to that path and and exploring that a little bit more but again by I think the the mature woman is also a dangerous woman because she again is you know she's less shackled to the domestic you know um, situation the children are older there's more freedom and there's this place where you get to when you I think you reach this age that you are going right okay that's gone quick you know 40 years have gone quick geez right what am I doing and um, you know we get passionate we've got this more freedom to you know pursue um things that are you know making us angry you know this whole you know I think again you can't not talk about the element of of witches also and their love of the land yeah their desire to protect it um and you know 
obviously the state of the world at the moment these these women are needed but then you know like what's what's happening in my village at the moment there's a massive big company that's um getting granite and they want to knock down all of these woods and funnily enough it's a group of middle-aged women one of me being one of them included who's going hey hold on a minute you know hold on here these are ancient woodlands there's uh, you know, animals living there. You know, we want to know a bit more about what's going off here. Mm. And of course, we're threatening that there's a lot of money to be made from this quarrying. Um, and we're, you know, middle-aged women basically are a pain in the butt, aren't they? So by vilifying them in, you know, most um literature and fairy tales and dismissing them as hysterical. Yeah. You know, yeah. taking that power and authority away from them from them. It's easy just to go, oh, it's just some women silly old women yeah they don't get taken seriously so again another thing that I'm quite passionate about is you know reimagining that as well you know and 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 again I guess it is taking that power and and running with it really um, so how would you love to see that then the reimagining of I'm 45 I don't consider this middle age I'm, I'm going for third age <laughs> i'm living to 120 in excellent health um <laughs> i can remember when i was 20 and i was like people are 45 like my god they're geriatric i know yeah so having said that i was a geriatric mother because i was the grand old age of 36 when i was pregnant or gave birth when i was 36 and so i was geriatric i was like steady on geriatric is my nan yeah because i was like i was 42 when i had my um last child and yeah I, I again was called a geriatric oh, again. You know, talking like, what? Geriatric? Where is she? Again, I think <laughs> I, I'm trying to learn to love that, you know, mm. to love that, you know, I've got my grey hairs and to love, the, you know, the experience of that that I've got and, um, you know, try and be really grateful for all of those things. And, um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people get really you know, with menopause and everything, they can get a lot of anxiety and stuff. It's a changing of your identity, isn't it? And I am, I mean, I'm, I am feeling it a little bit, you know, um, my body's changed, you know, and um, I'm really trying to love all of these changes and cherish them. Um, I love getting old. I've yeah, that's always great. wanted to be old since I was like 20 and people are like oh you're so wise for your age I'm like I'm gonna get old and then I'm g- people are gonna have to like believe me and I was like oh yeah they did believe me that's why they kept coming to see me it was just <laughs> hang-ups yeah, so yeah. I always wanted to get old it's like I don't dye my hair it's going properly gray I'm like oh one day it's gonna be proper silver and I'm so excited about that but um I think my natural coloring gives away so it's not like I have dark hair anyway but my hair's gonna go yeah. proper ash color and then I know because of my mum and my nan my hair's gonna be proper white and I'm yeah. like oh that's so exciting and a friend of a friend of mine she said you really are genuinely excited about getting old aren't you I said oh yeah I love it you know of course I don't want to be like not mobile or any of those things but I really do love growing into like more of a sense of who I am because when I was a child I was incredibly shy you know my little boy's off doing some like um speech and drama thing today where the school goes and they like recite poems that they've learned and that would have been like my absolute worst nightmare as a child I would it would have like made me cry and like try and skive off school but I was such a good girl I wouldn't have skived off school but I just love like like every day every year that gets past goes past I'm feeling like more confident in who I am just like more fulfilled as a person and I just love getting old well, that's how I would like it to be for everyone. <laughs> yes. You know, that's how I would like every woman to approach, you know, getting older. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there's we drop a lot of the stuff that we've carried at this point because we just go, you know like, what? Who cares? Yeah, not doing it anymore. <laughs> not doing it. Doing it's it not my own way. Me. Yeah. So I think that if that's yeah, that's how I'd love all but women. I also think that this this type, this age ish, brings up that um lentil soup scum <laughs> as, in, <laughs> as in as stuff comes to the surface and you you start going I did what yeah what has the world kind of like air quotes made me do the world is set up so I I can't thrive and then it brings up all of that you know that that anger and like what yeah. the freak are we doing yeah. to ourselves to the world to our children to all of it and I think if we're not careful that kind of like rage and fury 
can go inward and become and, and destroy us inwardly because like we get like more anxious or we just feel like oh my god why bother but if we can craft that energy if we can like hone that energy we can change the world I have no doubt about that but we have to almost like surrender into the power that we actually hold within us the power that we have given away the power that has been taken from us but when we can bring that back I think (laughs) a bunch of middle-aged women across the world it's like we will be the ones that change the world yeah I reckon so I can't have have that another soup soup analogy of (laughs) nearly lunchtime (laughs) we just always hungry I've I've, I've, um, been doing bone broths recently Mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm finding which again I think is linked with this kind of like you know the scum the top of it and and it turning inward so I've got some some um, autoimmune um, issues a lot of women are you know suffering with similar sort of um, ailments and I think a lot of that is to do with us you know literally it is our body attacking ourselves you know this is what what it literally is I've just read the well listened to the Gabor Mate um, song when the body said uh, song book when um, body says no that's really interesting about you know how trauma um and you know stuff that happens uh, throughout our life how it sticks in the body and how it can manifest and then recently um with doing these bone broths because part of this healing journey um the top part of the bone broth is like this really thick oily stuff and you know I've spent most of my life being vegetarian or vegan mm. So I didn't know what it was. And I thought it was like what you've said, like the scum of the, the stuff. And I was scraping it off and throwing it away. Um, and then my son, uh, my eldest son, he said to me, no, no, mom, you know, that's the really good stuff. It's kind of like a, uh, is it tallow? Is that what it's called? So it's like um, we've been using it for like, you know, as an oil for cooking, yep. co- coating roast potatoes, putting it in soups and stuff. And again, it's massively nourishing. So I love what you've just said. You know, we talked about earlier in this um, conversation about how it's the dark side and, you know, the, the those things that the shadow side, I guess mm-hmm. they call it in shamanic practice as well. So, again, it's like taking those aspects of ourselves, not rejecting them, mm-hmm. because that's what women a lot tend to do. We have to be these nice, sweet cupcake honeys, you know, like yeah, to quote yeah, you, quiet. Yeah, yeah. you know, and not be the crazy old woman Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right it's about again crafting that that tallow and using it for good and using it for healing um do i love that it's like the stuff that we chuck away is so valuable and it's like for ourselves too it's like oh don't feel anger don't feel rage and we suppress it we suppress it and it's like of course we don't want to feel anger and rage in a way that is going to hurt ourselves or someone else but it's but you swallow it down don't you You yeah to create you can use it to burn stuff down sometimes that needs to happen sometimes a boundary needs to be enforced and we have to be okay with not being liked by everyone and that's okay and it's like you know you were saying about that the book you read and it's like when I first started practicing kinesiology people would come to me because they had like IBS they had eczema and they would be like oh can you tell me what I'm allergic to and I could I could tell people what they were allergic to but most of the time it wasn't an allergy it's because they were living a life they they thought they should be living and they hated it or at least they weren't happy but they felt guilty because they you know they could afford to come and see me for a start so it was that they had, you know, money, they had car, they had family, they had homes, they had holidays, they had everything that life had told them would make them happy. And they weren't happy. So they felt guilty, they felt shame, they they felt betrayed by society. But instead of going, stop, I want to get off, I want to leave this relationship, I want to start this new career, I want to travel the world, all of those things that their soul was craving, they didn't, they just swallowed it. And so they swallowed it and that gave them IBS. It it irritated them so much, it flared out through their skin. Now, of course, some IBS, some eczema is absolutely like an allergy issue. But in a lot of the people that were coming to see me, probably they knew it was more than just the allergies, which is why they came to see me. It was so much more than that. 
You know, mm. it wasn't just take a pill, get that sorted. It was mm. all that stuff they had shoved down. There's a phrase, mm. isn't there, that the body keeps the score. And it yeah. really does. You know, yeah. it remembers everything. Like I said about every time we lie to ourselves, it remembers. You know, yeah. we remember. And yeah. so I think there is this, like, I love that you use that term, like reimagining of this time. But it's like a reimagining of, like, society and opportunities for all people to, like, craft and create their own passions and desires and I think that's become more and more important as we move forward <laughs> a whole different subject particularly with the onset of AI but anyway that's a whole other conversation from another oh, yeah. time it's like get out into the grass people it's like yes use AI and everything else but I think that connection and not giving our power away to something else and using mm-hmm. things intentionally from a place of power rather than giving away our power, I think is is the the most important part right now. Yes. Ooh, so remind people when the Witch Festival is happening and what can they expect? And obviously everything will be in the show notes for everyone to click a link with ease. Bless you. Yeah, it's at the end of April, the last weekend in April. It's in Leicester at Belgrave Grave Hall. So it's a beautiful building really magical area um, supposed to be the most haunted building in Leicester as well um, we've got a big trade um, shopping like little fairy market I'm calling it <laughs> um, in the marquee in the gardens we're going to do some dancing around the maypole um, oh, got, of course. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah so a lot of the programs is about spring and that energy in Beltane so are there talks and workshops going on? Yeah, so there's yeah. two programmes of talks and workshops. One is like a free programme that's included in the ticket entrance mm-hmm. and then some are paid, but we've kept the workshops really, really low to make it accessible to everyone. Some of the, um, you know, that we've got like a cacao workshop um, ceremony. We've got a breath ceremony. Um, we've got some actual, you know, magic and rituals um spell making and then we've also got some witch crafting where we are actually crafting magic spell jars and you know that's a little bit you know it's quite family friendly so mm. the kids can come along and that's all you know by on donation based or you know if you can't if you can't manage that with these hard times that's okay too um yeah so we've got loads and loads going off and it's in a beautiful building um and it's just again another opportunity for us to come together collectively and um, stir that cauldron <laughs> and bring all the magic together and I think one of the important things is like just to remember you're not alone on this path and it's like you might not be able to talk to your friends and your family but there is a whole community of people out there that are willing to love you exactly who you are so Absolutely. thank you for holding that space and thank you for joining me today oh, it's been an honor thank you very much you're welcome <laughs>